إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So you remember we were going through that long hadith that spoke about the intercession on the Day of Judgment when the people they go to the different prophets and messengers asking for them to intercede on their behalves with Allah. So they go to Nuh and Ibrahim and Musa and Isa salam, and all of them excuse themselves until they finally go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he is the one who makes that intercession. So we were going through that hadith section by section now, looking at some of the details of it. We had mentioned when they went to Nuh alayhi salam, and they had said to him that you are the first of the messengers that were sent, and therefore upon that virtue seek the intercession or do that intercession for us on behalf of us with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Nuh alayhi salam, he had excused himself also. We had discussed already the issue of who was the first messenger. Some of the scholars and in some of the books you might find that they mentioned two other names before Nuh alayhi salam. Those two names are Idris and Sheikh, that is sometimes mentioned. But what is correct is that Nuh alayhi salam was the first messenger. We also discussed the difference between a messenger and a prophet. So what is that then? What is the difference between a messenger and prophet? Both are given revelation. Both are told to propagate it, call to it. The difference being the messenger is given a new revelation as opposed to the prophet that is given the old one to, uh, to revive it. And also the messengers are sent to people typically that are more in opposition to them. Whereas prophets are there to revive that religion and therefore there are remnants of believers etc. Or the remnants of that religion is there. There is less opposition. So when they come to Nuh alayhi salam, فَيَأْتُونَ نُوحًا فَيَقُولْ لَسْتُ هُنَاكُمْ وَيَذْكُرُ خَطِيئَتَهُ الَّتِي أَصَابَ They come to Nuh alayhi salam and he tells them that I am not the one for that. And he mentions uh, a shortcoming of his. He then tells them to go to Ibrahim alayhi salam. قَوْلُهُ اِئْتُوا إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلَ الرَّحْمَانِ إِذَا قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِنْ أَيْنَ عَلِمَ نُوحٌ أَنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلَ الرَّحْمَانِ They go to Nuh alayhi salam. He excuses himself and he tells them to go to Ibrahim alayhi salam, but the wording he uses is 
ائتو ابراهيم خليل الرحمن go to ibrahim the khalil of allah the khalil of ibrahim alayhi salam is khalilullah how do we know that how do we know ibrahim alayhi salam is khalilullah there is a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he mentioned that but the question is how does nuh alayhi salam know that ibrahim is khalilullah Think about the timeline of things. Nuh alayhi salam came first. Then afterwards Ibrahim alayhi salam. We discovered he is Khalilullah from the revelation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But how does somebody from back then, Nuh alayhi salam, know that a messenger who came after him is Khalilullah? What is the answer to that? The shaykh says, what if somebody asks this question? The answer قَطْعًا عَلِمَهُ بِالْوَحِي وَذَلِكَ لِأَنَّهُ لَا يَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ Certainly Nuh alayhi salam, like the other prophets and messengers, does not have knowledge of the unseen. So the answer must be without doubt that it is through some form of revelation to him. It's got to be some form of revelation to him. Because he cannot know that because of knowledge of the unseen. He does not have knowledge of the unseen. وَلَكِنْ هَلْ أَوْحَى اللَّهُ إِلَى نُوحِ بِذَلِكَ وَقْتَ وُجُودِهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا أَوْ أَنَّ نُوحًا عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ عَلِمَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ So now it's got to be some revelation. Then the question is, was that revelation part of the original revelation given to Nuh salam when he was on the earth. So he's always known from when he was alive here. Or was this piece of revelation something he was told afterwards? Sheikh says, هَذَا مَحَلُّ نَظَرُ وَمُرَاجَعَ إِنشَاءَ يَتَبَيَّنْ That is something you need to research into. That is something that would need to be looked into. وَإِنْ أَخَذْنَا هَذَا بِالتَّسْلِيمُ وَقُلْنَا نَقُولُ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم أَمَّا كَيْفَ عَلِمَ أَنَّهُ خَلِيلُ اللَّهِ فَهَذَا لَيْسَ إِلَيْنَا The reality is, the Shaykh says, that with an issue like this, we can simply say that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has told us in this hadith that Nuh عليه السلام knows Ibrahim عليه السلام is Khalilullah, that is proven in this narration. How? The Shaykh says, really, it's not something that too much impacts upon us. It's not really too much of a detail that is an ob- research into. Uh, it's not an obligation for us to really analyze and go through everything to find the answer to that question. Not particularly. We know that he knew. That is told to us in this hadith. That is sufficient for us. It is not really a point of obligation for us to research and look into in depth anyway. So he says, go to Ibrahim Khalil Ar-Rahman. Fihi ishara ila anna a'zama wasf yahsulu lil-insan an yattakhidahu Allahu khalila. 
when Nuh السلام, directed them to go to Ibrahim السلام, the fact that he chose that description to describe Ibrahim with indicates that this is the highest description possible for Ibrahim as a whole. That is why Nuh السلام, selected that description to describe Ibrahim السلام, with. It must be a high description of praise. Nuh was excusing himself, sending them to somebody else, another messenger, a praiseworthy messenger. So he selected the highest praiseworthiness that can be mentioned for Ibrahim and that is that he was Khalilullah. لأن الخلة درجة عظيمة because having the khulla, which they say in English, is the highest level of love. It's not just love, but it is the highest level of love. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam, to Allah was a khalil. That he was, they say sometimes in the English, the most beloved of Allah. The khalil of Allah. لا نعلم أن أحدا من البشر نالها إلا رجلين. We do not know that anybody in creation got to the level of being the Khalil of Allah except two people, and they are Ibrahim عليه السلام and Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إِنَّ اللَّهَ اتَّخَذَنِي خَلِيلًا كَمَا اتَّخَذَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ خَلِيلًا That indeed, Allah has taken me as a khalil. Just as he took Ibrahim as a khalil. وَبِهِ نَعْرِفْ أَنَّ مَنْ قَالُوا إِبْرَاهِيمُ ah. Now you get many people Many people they say Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Habibullah. True? You hear that statement? Habibullah. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Habibullah. The beloved of Allah. That is said as a means of praise for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They say Habibullah. Habibullah, the most beloved of Allah, or not the most, but the beloved of Allah. They say it as a praise. Little do they realize, due to their lack of studying aqidah, that this is not a praise, it would actually be classed as a dispraise. Because the Prophet ﷺ is higher than the level of being Habib. He is at the level of being Khalil. And that is a higher level than Habib. So why are you going to describe the Prophet ﷺ with a description that is lower and he has a description that is higher? In simple terms, nowadays you have your PhD, they give you, they give you the nice letters at the beginning of your name. Doctor. D-R. Or just a D, sorry. Just a D. They give you the D at the beginning of your name. So then you are D, such and such, such and such. Your parents never named you the D, but you get your D now. Then that person, if you don't refer to him as that, imagine now 
you got some doctor, professor from the university. You bring him down and you're introducing him. He's going to deliver a lecture. And you say, this is our uh, guest today. He's a lecturer at the university. He's a lecturer at the university. That's something praiseworthy. A lecturer at a university. But that is actually a degradation. Man is going to be sat there thinking, lecturer, there's 25-year-olds who graduate who are lecturers. I'm a PhD. D. You have really degraded his level. You haven't given him his full right. So in that case, if you say this man, he's got a master's, he's got a bachelor's, he's got a master's, he's a lecturer at the university, and you don't mention that he's got a doctorate, then you haven't given him his right. You have given him a praise, which is actually in reality a degradation. You have now put him to the people at a lower level than what he is. And that's what it is here. When you say Muhammad Sallallahu is Habib, you are actually mentioning a characteristic that is lower than what the Prophet has. He is Khalil. So it's a mistake that all of these people all of the time, Habibullah, Habibullah. In reality, the Prophet is higher than that. وَبِهِ نَعْرِفُ أَنَّ مَنْ قَالُوا إِبْرَاهِيمُ خَلِيلُ اللَّهِ وَمُحَمَّدْ حَبِيبُ الرسول فهي ليست إلا لهذين الرسولين الكريمين عليهم الصلاة والسلام. so محبة the love محبة uh, and being a habib that is a characteristic which is actually open to the believers as a whole. a believer a given believer maybe that he has the the محبة of Allah. Because he is from the righteous and the pious and from the muhsineen, etc. Those who are the ones who repent from their sins. Allah loves the ones who repent from their sins. He loves the tawwabin. So that is a characteristic that is actually general. Being Habib. All of the believers could have that. It's not even something specific to the prophets. Let alone Ulul Azm. The five highest prophets and messengers. So that is something which is not really giving the due right of the Prophet ﷺ. The due right would be the highest characteristic of being the Khalil. So the point is then Nuh ﷺ tells them, go to Ibrahim, the Khalil of Ar-Rahman. But, يَذْكُرُ خَطِيئَتَهُ أَلَّتِي أَصَابَ he mentions his shortcomings that he fell into Ibrahim salam. Ibrahim salam mentions the shortcomings that he fell into in order to also excuse himself from doing that. And he mentions uh, statements that he made. There are three statements that Ibrahim salam made which are not deemed as lies. They are not deemed as lies in terms of how you understand lies. But they were deemed as something ambiguous. 
statements of ambiguity that may have been interpreted in a certain way, but the intent was something else. And they were not in reality uh, something accountable. As were all of these affairs mentioned by the prophets and messengers, not something really of accountability like that. But anyway, he mentions the three statements, and those three statements are on the night when the people came to Ibrahim alayhi salam, the mushrikun, and they said to him, come with us to our Eid, to our festival and everything we're doing. He said to them, inni saqim. He said, I am sick. I am ill. And the meaning of that would have been in the interpretation of Ibrahim salam along the lines of, as we say, I am sick of the shirk and everything. That's the intent. But they understood that he is sick, sick, ill, and he can't come. Another statement, بَلْ فَعَلَهُ كَبِيرُهُمْ هَذَا So after they went and he destroyed the idols, when they came back and they said, what happened, who did this? He said, the large one did it, ask him. Of course, his intent was a refutation of them because they knew they couldn't ask this so-called God because they knew this so-called God cannot hear them nor can he respond to them. So that was a means of refutation. The big one did it, ask him. That would refute them. They would recognize the big one has no rububiyyah has nothing, cannot hear, cannot answer. But that was something that he mentioned. And the third one regarding when he mentioned of his wife, هذه أختي, that this is my sister, when the leader uh, desired her. Uh, so these were statements that were mentioned that would be ambiguous in their nature. And they are not classed as lies as the scholars mentioned. والروايات في هذه مختلفة ولكن مع هذا فإنها ليست خطايا. لكن مثل خليل الرحمن صلى الله عليه وسلم يخشى أن تكون خطايا وإلا فإبراهيم عليه وسلم كان متأولا فيما قال والتأويل وإن كان ظاهره عند المخاطب أنه كذب فإنه ليس بكذب So these were not in reality errors but because of the level of nobility of Ibrahim عليه السلام he in of himself may perceive that to have been a shortcoming. And in reality, they were not mistakes or errors because he was saying that in a nutshell, as we say, in an ambiguous method, that he was interpreting the statements in a particular way and they would be interpreted by the listener in a particular other way. But in the end, uh, he mentions those and excuses himself from that. Then قوله فيقول لست هناكم ويذكر خطيئة He says that I am not able to do this intercession. What intercession? Where are we? What's the background of this hadith? When everybody has been resurrected on that day and they see the calamities and they want somebody to go and speak to Allah on their behalves to get the accountability going and to remove them from that terrible and difficult place. So they've gone to Adam, they've gone to Nuh alayhim salam Both have excused themselves. They've now gone to Ibrahim alayhi salam on that day. And he is excusing himself. Zada Muslim allati asaba fa yastahi rabbahu minha. 
uh, and it's mentioned in the version of Muslim that he mentions his shortcomings, his errors, the ones that he fell into, and he was shy to face his Lord with them. He was shy to face his Lord with those what he perceives and errors. So, the Shaykh goes on to mention then a Shaykh al-Athaymeen, إِذَنْ لَيْسَتْ خَطَايَا فِي الْوَاقِعِ لَكِنْ نَظَرًا لِمَقَامِ الشَّفَاعَةِ وَهُوَ أَمْرٌ عَظِيمٌ خَافَ أَنْ يَكُونَ مِثْلَ هَذَا مَانِعًا مِنْ أَنْ يَكُونَ أَهْلًا لِأَنْ يَشْفَعَ لِلنَّاسِ وَلَا شَكَّ أَنَّ الْمُرَادَ مِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى سَاقَ الشَّفَاعَةِ إِلَى نَبِيِّهِ مُحَمَّدْ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ كُلِّهِمْ So they were not errors in reality, but because intercession is a very noble thing to be doing, then they excuse themselves, perceiving themselves, not to be at that level of nobility to do that intercession. And the point of the narration is to highlight how that intercession finally comes back to the only one who can do it, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But in the meantime, when Ibrahim salam excuses himself, he then sends everybody to go to Musa salam. لكن to Musa عبدا أتاه الله التوراة وكلمه تكليما فيأتون موسى فيقول لست هناكم ويذكر لهم خطيئته التي أصاب So then they go to Musa salam. He tells them go to Musa salam, the one whom Allah gave him the Torah and then mentions that high characteristic of Musa salam, that Allah كلمه تكليما that Allah spoke to Musa salam directly. Allah spoke to Musa salam. Musa salam heard Allah. Spoke to Musa salam directly. And that's why he is known as the Kalimullah. When you talk about Ulul Azam, the five top messengers. Of course at the top is Muhammad wasallam, Because he has two noble characteristics. They are that he is Khalilullah and he is Kalimullah, Muhammad Sallallahu Two things. Then after him is Ibrahim salam, who only has one of those two things. He is Khalilullah. Then Musa salam, only one of those two things. He is Kalimullah, the one whom Allah spoke to directly. And then after that, there's a difference of opinion. Either number four is Nuh السلام, and then number five is Isa السلام, or number four is Isa السلام, and number five is Nuh السلام. but that is the order of the five so he mentions here that Allah spoke to Musa السلام, directly so then they go to him but again he excuses himself and he says I am not the one to do that and he mentions his shortcomings regarding killing that man etc then he tells them go to Isa salam. He directs them to Isa salam. This is going to occur on the day of judgment. The people are going to go to Adam salam. He excuses himself. They go to Nuh salam. He excuses himself. They go to Ibrahim salam. Excuses himself. Musa salam. Excuses himself. He sends them to Isa salam. Tells them to Isa Abdullah. 
ورسوله وكلمته وروحه Go to Isa, the servant of Allah and the messenger of Allah and the word from Allah. Meaning when Allah said, Kun fayakun. And the soul from Allah that Allah created and placed in him that was blown into him. Go to him, to Isa alayhi salam. Fayatuna Isa fayakul lastu hunakum. He tells them that I am not the one who can do that either. He excuses himself too. But he does not mention any particular error or shortcoming. He does not mention any particular error. But he tells them, I am not the one who can do that. And he sends them to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Isa lam yathkur khati'ah liyakmula sharaf li rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One of the things that can be understood from the fact that Isa salam never mentioned any error is a very important point. All of the other prophets, it seems logical. Everyone says, I've got a particular error, go to the other one. He says, I've got a particular error, go to the other one. Makes logical sense as to why they are passing it on. With Isa salam, he didn't have any error. He didn't have any shortcoming that he could mention. So why does he pass it on? The fact that he still passes it on to Muhammad sallallahu now becomes a great virtue for Muhammad sallallahu There was no reason per se to pass it on. Yet he passes it on to the one who is superior to him. And so that is then a, an indication of the virtue and the nobility of Muhammad that Isa is passing it on to him even though he himself does not have a reasoning like the others had a reasoning to pass it on but simply because of the nobility and the superiority of Muhammad sallallahu ومنهم من اعتذر لاعترافه بأن محمد أكمل ولم يذكر لنفسه خطيئة لكن الكمال لمحمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وهذا فضل الله يؤتيه من يشاء أن أن تتنقل طلب الشفاعة من أبي البشر إلى أربع ولا تحصل الشفاعة إلا من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم so this highlights to you the, the nobility and the perfection of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That this intercession was sought from the father of all of mankind, Adam. Then it was sought from four of the greatest messengers, the four greatest messengers outside of Muhammad sallallahu Yet the intercession could still not be done until it came back to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So, قوله ائتوا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم عبدا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه وما تأخر Go to Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم a servant whom his past and future sins were all forgiven فيأتوني So, Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is now narrating فيأتوني so they come to me 
فَأَنْطَلِقُوا So then I go. Meaning after they come to him and they give their request to him, he says, فَأَنْطَلِقُوا Then I go. فَأَسْتَأْذِنُ عَلَى رَبِّي And I seek permission from my Lord. فَيُؤْذَنُ لِي عَلَيْ So permission is given for me to come upon my Lord. فَإِذَا رَأَيْتُ رَبِّي So when I see my Lord, وَقَعَتُ لَهُ سَاجِدًا I will fall in prostration. فَيَدَعُنِي مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ يَدَعَنِي Then Allah will leave me in prostration for as long as Allah wishes to leave me in prostration. ثُمَّ يُقَالُ لِي Then it will be said to me, اِرْفَعْ مُحَمَّدْ Rise up Muhammad. وَقُلْ يُسْمَعْ Say and you'll be heard. وَسَلْ تُعْطَى Ask and you'll be given. وَشْفَعْ تُشَفَّعْ Seek the intercession and you will be given the intercession. فَأَحْمَدُ رَبِّي So then he says, I praise my Lord. بِمَحَامِدَ عَلَّمَنِيهَا with types of praise that Allah taught me. ثُمَّ أَشْفَعُ فَيَحُدُّ لِي حَدَّا So then I seek that intercession uh, and then the narration carries on. هُنَا طُوِّيَ ذِكْرُ سَبَبْ طَلَبِ الشَّفَاعَةِ لِأَنَّ سَبَبْ طَلَبِ الشَّفَاعَةِ مِنَ الْبَشَرْ أَنْ يُرِيحَهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنَ الْمَوْقِ so the point of seeking that intercession was that everybody needed or wanted to get out of that place of resurrection where they'd been resurrected and all of the calamity and the difficulty and the, the terrifying events were there. They wanted to move out from that and to be given comfort from that. So they had gone to the prophets and messengers seeking this intercession that somebody speak to Allah to remove them from that. قَالَ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ The scholars, the people of knowledge said, وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ الرُّوَاهِ يَطْوُونَ ذِكْرَ هَذِهِ الشَّفَاعَةِ لِأَنَّ هَذِهِ الشَّفَاعَةِ لَا يُنْكِرُهَا أَحَدٌ مِنْ فِرَقِ الْأُمَّةِ فَلِهَذَا اقْتَصَرَ الرُّوَاهِ عَلَى ذِكْرِ الشَّفَاعَةِ الَّتِي فِيهَا الْخِلَافِ بَيْنَ فِرَقِ الْأُمَّةِ وَهِيَ شَفَاعَةَ مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارِ فَإِنَّ الْخَوَارِجُ الْمَعْتَزِلَ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّ مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارَ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا لَا بِشَفَاعَةٍ وَلَا بِغَيْرِهَا حَتَّى وَإِنْ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِأَنَّ الْخَوَارِجُ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّ فَاعِلَ الْكَبِيرَةِ كَافِرٌ مُخَلَّدٌ فِي النَّارِ وَأَنَّ مَنْ سَرَقَ رُبْعَ دِينَارٍ كَانَ كَمَنْ سَجَدَ لِصَنَمٍ كِلَاهُمَا كَافِرٌ مُخَلَّدٌ فِي النَّارِ why is it now that the narrators often mentioned this lengthy hadith in a very contracted form? You often find this narration in a very summarized form and it's not really opened up in detail the way we've now gone through the whole narration. It is because this intercession that occurs on the Day of Judgment is accepted by even all of the groups of deviation. They all accept this intercession will occur. There are other types of intercession that happen on the Day of Judgment that the groups of deviation do not accept. Those are the ones that the narrators used to focus on and put them all out in detail. 
because they are the types of intercessions that the people of deviation used to uh, reject. So the intercession regarding the people who enter the hellfire, that there is an intercession that will occur and the believers will be taken out of the hellfire. That intercession that occurs on the day of judgment, the people of deviation do not accept it because they say the one who enters the fire from the Muslims, the one who has committed a major sin and enters the fire because of it, he died upon it, then that person is Khalid Mukhalid Finnar. He will be in the hellfire forever, disbeliever. So as far as they are concerned, somebody who steals Rub'adinar, steals like we say 20p, 10p, 5p, somebody who steals something like that is exactly the same as somebody who is prostrated to an idol. He's committed a major sin, stealing, major sin, died upon it, never repented. He is now going to be in the hellfire forever because he committed a major sin and died without repenting. That is what they believe. The one who dies, murtakib al-kabira, the one who dies, mata wa lam yatub. If he dies upon that major sin, having never repented, he will be in the hellfire forever. That is what they say. And that we know is incorrect. That is incorrect. Rather, a person who commits a major sin and does not repent, and that is the key. We're not talking about somebody who's committed major sins, but they've repented. That's clear. That's gone, even with the khawarij. If you've sincerely repented, that's a different topic. The key issue is the one who commits a major sin and has not repented and dies. With the khawarij, that's the end of it. Kafir in the hellfire forever in that case. With Ahlul Sunnah, we say no. That person is still a Muslim. A major sin does not make you a kafir. But on the day of judgment, there is a possibility he may be forgiven but also punished he may go into the hellfire he may well but he will not remain therein forever he will not remain therein forever because somebody who does a major sin does not become a kafir so he has committed a major sin he may well be punished for that he may well be cast into the fire but the major sin didn't make him a kafir so eventually he will be removed but the people of innovation, the khawarij and their likes, they say, no, he will remain in the hellfire forever. So the narrators often used to focus on those narrations of those intercessions because that is the one they wanted to be clear because that is the one the people of innovation were disputing over and rejecting. This one, it was accepted. They would often mention it in a summarized form and it was not an issue. فَإِنَّ الْخَوَارِجُ وَالْمُعْتَزِلَ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّ مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا لَا بِشَفَاعَةٍ وَلَا بِغَيْرِهَا حَتَّى وَإِنْ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ لِأَنَّ الْخَوَارِجَ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّ فَاعِلَ الْكَبِيرَ كَافِرٌ مُخَلَّدٌ فِي النَّارِ وَأَنَّ مَنْ سَرَقَ رُبْعَ دِينَارٍ كَانَ كَمَنْ سَجَدَ لِصَنَمْ كِلَاهُمَا كَافِرٌ مُخَلَّدٌ فِي النَّارِ وَالْمُعْتَزِلَ يَرَوْنَ أَنَّ فَاعِلَ الْكَبِيرَةِ خَارِجٌ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ غَيْرَ دَاخِلٍ فِي الْكُفْرِ فَهُوَ فِي مَنْزِلَ بَيْنَ مَنْزِلَتَيْنِ The Mu'tazila have this strange opinion which says that a person who commits a major sin 
is out of the fold of Iman, the one who commits a major sin, dies upon it without repenting, is out of the fold of Iman, like the Khawarij. But they say he has not entered into the fold of Kufr. He is out of the fold of Iman, but he has not entered into the fold of Kufr. So where is he? He is in a place between two places. He is in a place between two places. He is the closest thing you hear about in English, the word limbo. The man is in limbo. Limbo, where your place is a place of uncertainty, a place of nothing, neither this nor that. So they say he's neither kafir, neither Muslim. He is in a place between two places. He is in the space between spaces. That's the phrase you hear these days. So that is what they say. فَهُوَ فِي مَنْزِلَ بَيْنَ مَنْزِلَتَيْنِ لَكِنْ حُكْمُهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ In the hereafter though, as far as they are concerned in the hereafter, that person despite being in this He's neither mu'min, he's neither kafir, he's committed a major sin. In the hereafter though, he's in the hellfire forever. In the hereafter, they have agreed with the khawarij. He's in the hellfire forever. But prior to that, they had some leniency compared to the khawarij in saying that he's not a kafir, but he's not a mu'min either. But in the end, both of them upon deviation claiming that a person who commits a major sin and dies upon it without repentance is in the hellfire forever, is a, a mistake and incorrect. فَلِهَذَا كَانَ الرُّوَاتِ حَدِيثِ شَفَاعَةِ يَذْكُرُونَ مَا يَتَعَلَّقُ بِالْخِلَافِ بَيْنَ أَهْلِ سُنَّةِ وَبَيْنَ أَهْلِ الْبِدَعِ وَهُوَ شَفَاعَةِ فِي مَنْ دَخَلَ النَّارِ بِذَنْبَ لَكِنَّهُ لَيْسَ بِكَافِرِ So when the narrators used to narrate this hadith, they used to go to the section that talks about these types of intercession as opposed to the section where everybody was agreed upon. So they would summarize it sometimes like that to get to that point. قوله فيحد لي حدا فأدخلهم الجنة that Allah then appoints for me a certain amount and then I take them out and enter them into paradise ثم أرجع فإذا رأيت ربي وقعت ساجدا فيدعني ما شاء الله أن يدعني ثم يقال ارفع محمد وقل the same as before that then I return back to my Lord and I fall into prostration and I remain in prostration. Muhammad remains in prostration before his Lord until Allah tells him, raise your head, ask and you will be heard, uh, or say and you'll be heard, ask and you'll be given, seek the intercession and it will be done. And then he says, I praise my Lord with praise that he has taught me. And then I seek the intercession and it continues from there. Ash-shahid, the point of all of that narration, all of that was just for benefit. The point of all of that was only one point. The subject we're studying right now was the subject of the names and attributes of Allah. And the name or the attribute that was mentioned in this narration right at the beginning was the fact that when they go to Adam alayhi salam, they say to him as his praiseworthiness that Allah created you with his own hands. And that was the purpose of this whole narration here. After that then, we have the narration, Qala Who wants to read the chain? It's been a while, go on. 
All the tarajim, I'll put them up on uh, Twitter or something afterwards. Mm. عن الأعرج عن أبي هريرة أن الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يد الله ملأ لا يغيضها نفقة سحاء الليل والنهار وقال أرأيتم ما أنفق منذ, خل منذ خلق السماوات والأرض فإنه لم يغض ما في يده وقال عرسه على الماء وبيده الأخرى, وبيده الأخرى الميزان يخفض ويرفع who wants to read? Where's all the readers gone? There used to be readers. Ahmed, follow. Saved. Huh? <laughs> Wasn't smooth all the way. Ahmed second. Ahmed the third. You know, we have brothers here, mashallah, from the African regions. You have this uh, thing about the Muhammad, Muhammad al Awwal, Muhammad al Thani, Muhammad al Thalith. You know this, huh? There used to be one in my class. There used to be one in my class, Muhammad al Rabi'ah. Because there are four brothers. One is called Muhammad, the other one is called Muhammad, the third one is called Muhammad, the fourth one is called Muhammad. So then they are Muhammad the first, Muhammad the second, Muhammad the third, Muhammad the fourth. What's the biggest one you've heard? Uh, anybody heard of bigger than Muhammad al Rabi'ah? Twelfth? You're serious? You're serious? Muhammad the twelfth, Athani Ashar. Okay, go on. قال البخاري رحمه الله حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا سعيد قال حدثنا أبو الزناد عن الأعرج عن أبي هريرة أبو هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يد الله ملأ لا يغيضها نفقة سحه الليل والنهار وقال أرأيت ما أنفق منذ خلق السماوات والأرض فإنه لم يغض ما في يده وقال أرشه على الماء وبيده وبيده الأخرى الميزان يخفض ويرفع. No one's done it yet without a stutter or a break. Go on. قال البخاري رحمه الله حدثنا عبد اليمان أخبرنا سعيد قال حدثنا أبو أبو الزناد عن الأعرج عن أبي خريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يد الله ملأ لا يغيضها نفقة سحى 
فصح الليل والنهار وقال رأيت ما أنشق منذ خلق السماوات والأرض فإنه لم يقد ما في يده وقال أرسه على الماء بيده في يده الأخرى الميزان يخفض ويرفع Anybody want to take it? The prize is still available. Anyone else? Who were the other readers before? No. Oh. Hassan, where? Go on. Go on. Last chance. Everybody a bit rusty, I think. Huh? There's, there's a workbook, isn't there? With all of the hadith? The full chapter. Yeah, so the people, you know, if you haven't got the workbook, you can download it. It's, uh, what is it, 40, 50 pages or something. Everything we're doing, all of the hadith that we're doing, everything we read through. There's a workbooklet of uh, how many pages? It, it's just the English, it's not the Arabic, but at least you have all the English hadith that you can follow through with. If you understand Arabic, just get a copy of Bukhari. It's the last chapter. But this, this is 30 odd pages. Go on, uh, one last chance. Quickly go on then. You skipped the whole line there. <laughs> but that's okay, that's okay. But everybody should get a copy of that PDF. It's available online somewhere. They'll put the, the tweet out again or something on the various channels. But try and download that printed off. It's 33 pages or something. You'll have all the materials we're going through and you can read through it. You have it in front of you. Every week it makes it a lot easier to focus. It makes it a lot easier to remember everything. For those who understand Arabic, try and get a copy of Bukhari. Even if you get just the mutton, if you're going to get the exact one that we're doing, it's the Shaykh al uthaymin one. His explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari. So then that makes it easier for everybody to follow. You'll have more focus as well as you go along. Uh, we'll uh, leave it there. We'll do this hadith next time. We'll do this narration from next week, inshallah ta'ala. Is Isha still the same time? Well, after Isha, even if it's slightly changed, it'll still be after Isha. Next week after Isha, insha'Allah ta'ala. So we'll conclude upon that for today then. Any questions or anything? What was it?
Yeah. Alright, go on. Anybody got it? Which is what? That's in English. You can't say Allah says that in English. Now everybody in unison there. That's speaking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this ayah on that day, yoma tubaddal al ard. On that day when the earth will be changed for something other than it. Some scholars they said the meaning of that is it'll be a different earth altogether. Other scholars said no. The meaning of it is just that this earth will be changed to other than it. Meaning it will no longer be upon this appearance. It will be flattened out. Mountains will be gone. Valleys will be gone. It will be a flat plain. So it is this earth, but it will become like it's a different earth. But others, they said, no, as the ayah says, it will be a different earth. So you have those two opinions on that. If you look into the tafsir, it will be mentioned under, under that ayah. Hmm? How is that an answer to the question? As an additional benefit. Jazakallah <laughs> khair. Anything else? In that case, next week after Isha, inshaAllah. Jazakallah khair.